DJ Simulationistas. So, with Dr. D, Dan Raymer, and Dr. J, Janice Palaganis, coming at you from the Center for Medical Simulation in Boston, Massachusetts. So buckle up your mannequin, and let's roll. Welcome to DJ Simulation News to Sup. You're here with Janice Pelaganis, and finally. <laughs> Where have you been, Dan? We have missed you. So what's on your mind, Dan? So I, I've been thinking a lot lately about miscommunication. Okay. And and uh the reason is that I've had a number of incidents with my uh wife where we <laughs> have really been working. Is this on what you learned on your trip? And <laughs> and we screw it up sometimes. And it's so interesting to kind of do the root cause analysis. So so why oh I find this so gosh. interesting. So wait, you've been turning your household into a root cause analysis? This, yeah. This is the problem <laughs> with being married to a simulationist. I suppose <laughs> we we um uh the reason I think it's important is that in our clinical courses since the beginning of when I started doing them twenty five years ago, there's a big emphasis on communicating effectively, okay, and at the end of our courses, people often say, you know you know what are your final you know when we ask what are your final thoughts what's your take home message they often mention communicating effectively uh-huh and I, i've always thought you know that's so vague like what is it that we're trying to get people to do better and so we have some techniques like closing the loop in communication and repeating back what you hear and so on and uh i think that's that's uh good stuff but it doesn't prevent miscommunication. Uh, uh, it's just so insidious. And I, I'm really and truly not sure what the antidote is. Well, so I'll give, you, I'll give you an example. Okay. Uh, it was getting to be close to dinner time. We were uh, both at work <laughs> at two different just, locations. And, I just uh, feel like you're turning we, me into like a marriage counselor right <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, perhaps. And so we had this text communication back and forth. And uh, and so it was about dinner. And it was, uh, what do you want for dinner? Uh, we don't have anything. Okay, uh, let's go out. Okay, uh, meet you. What would you like? Let's get hamburgers. Okay, okay, let's okay. Meet at the our, let's get hamburgers. Hamburger was place. you. That was you. Yeah. Okay. That that was me. Uh, <laughs> and 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 she said fine, and I said let's meet at our hamburger place. Uh huh. And she said, okay, thirty minutes. And so I went to our hamburger place. And she went to our other hamburger place. 
<laughs> where we sat alone for approximately another 30 minutes until we realized that we were referring to two different hamburger places. So, so you know, in, in thinking about it, the reason I wasn't more specific about the name of the place was that I couldn't remember the name of the place. <laughs> and, and, and she thought I meant the other hamburger place because of its location, that, that it would be also on my route home. Uh-huh. And so she made she made some very very legitimate inferences sure. about where I was talking about, and I made some very legitimate inferences about why she should come to the place that I was thinking of. Uh huh. And, and you know we talked about it there was a there was a little bit of anger but because this happened so often we kind of laughed it off and said you know we've been trying so hard to communicate clearly uh-huh. and uh and so on <laughs> that that we still couldn't accomplish it you know we talked for a long time about what would we have had to do in order to make this communication clearer Sure. And, and we really couldn't come up with anything. There, there was no way I could remember the name of the place. You know, we had talked about how much we loved the place I was referring to. Uh-huh. It was a, it's a fairly new place. And so we had been there two or three times and it's right near our house. So why? And so like, that's why I called it our hamburger place. So why couldn't you add in those descriptors, like the new hamburger place near our house? Like, you don't have to put the name. Right. I suppose I could have, (laughs) but I, I just, you know, it was so clear to me when I wrote it. Yeah. My intention was to be clear. And so it was the way that my brain made it clear by saying our hamburger place uh, i thought that was that was clear yeah and 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 you know you just kind of the way we communicate you know we just we just leave out details for other people cuz they're so obvious for us sure and in a clinical setting you know the the language that's used is necessarily abbreviated you know, if you don't say, you don't say, I'm going to, uh, uh, you know, I'm going to give, uh, um, you know, a particular drug out loud to everyone in the room, you know, someone says, you give the antibiotic, you go, yeah, but right. you don't cross check and double check that the antibiotic that you gave is the one that, you know, was asked for necessarily. No, you I get it. You should, you probably should, but it just. You so know, it's what's in your own head is all you can really communicate. <laughs> there's a lot of great things. So I think what you're saying right now is like a clear description of why you call me cryptic so many times. Because I just think that you uh-huh. understand what I'm saying all the time. And I think that uh-huh. speaks volumes to, you know, you and Wallace and you're, you know, you guys are typically on the same page. So you feel okay and safe enough to not give those clear descriptors. 
And first of all, if you guys find out what the key and solution is, will you please let me know? Because I'm not sure I could help you with this. But I do think that being in Saudi Arabia was really helpful for for things in terms of me being cryptic because, um, you know, we were with Gabe Reedy and he just did a really great job of, you know, when you're around other people, and I think this is the practice piece, is when you're around other people that you're not necessarily, you know from the get-go that you're not on the same page, that you're just much more careful of adding in those descriptors. and And maybe it's, you know, just exposing yourself to other people can get you into that habit of making sure you're clear. Because I found that when I came home, I was like, very, very clear on things. And the kids are like, okay, I get it. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> but well, it became I, habitual. I, su- I suppose that, that that points out how great the danger of communicating with people that you work with all the time is. Yeah. And so taking for granted that they know what you mean because you've done things before that are similar and that they will understand the nuances and that they will come to the same conclusion you will is a real fallacy. Yeah. And working with people who you don't know, your tendency is to be more descriptive and to be clearer. Absolutely. And so the the famous study that was done by the Air Force about form teams versus fixed teams and they found that form teams, teams that came together uh, that didn't know each other well, were safer flying complicated aircraft than people who work together all the time. And it's so counterintuitive to people in healthcare because they feel so much more secure and confident when they're working with people that they're familiar with. The big danger is you take them for granted and you don't communicate effectively, just like you're saying with people you know well. So this reminds me of when I first um, started, when Team Steps first came out, we started rolling that out. And um, we started with the OB and neonatal team, uh, delivery teams. And it was so interesting because... So hold on one second. One second. Hold on. So you just did a cryptic thing. (laughs) Because because you're talking about when you worked in the hospital, when you were working clinically. Oh, okay. Let me be more clear. Thank you, Dan, for calling me and my crypticism. Okay. So this is when I first okay. started in simulation and I first started interprofessional education. And it was when Team Steps first launched with uh, the governmental agency here, AHRQ, in the United States, which is a program for teamwork and communication. And we decided to adopt that in our hospital system, and I was leading the interprofessional effort um, using simulation. And so we did in-situ simulation with our delivery teams, and it turns out that our labor, our our L&D unit, had very, very little turnover, meaning the nurses worked there for 25 plus years, delivered uh, some of my staff that were part of this program. The physicians also had been working there for 25 plus years. 
And so we did the simulations and we recorded them. And in debriefing, we had, you know, the teams that work together on a daily basis. And we had the new residents and uh, nurses that were also part of the team. One of the nurses said, we communicate so well. We work so well together that we don't have to say anything. We just know it. And the new resident said, I had no idea what you guys were doing. (laughs) Yeah. And it was just so perfect. It was like such a gift to the debriefing. Like we really talked about how, how, yeah, you know, when you're well-oiled, you can read each other's minds. Great. But it's not safe for the other people in the room that don't know you, that don't know your language, that don't know how you work. And you still need to be able to be very descriptive in, you know, when you're taking care of patients, because you can't assume that everybody knows what you're thinking. I, I think it's one of the biggest fallacies about communication, that communicating less is better for the two reasons you cite. There are always new people around. Um, there's always somebody uh, uh, who hasn't done this a hundred times who will not know what's going on. And the other danger is the one that I experience with my wife, who I know better than any person on the face of the earth, and yet we have communications which where we make assumptions and take each other's inferences for granted, and sometimes they're wrong. And, and so I just think it's such a fallacy. From... Everything I've learned from you, Dan, and your mentorship around when I'm being cryptic, there's one thing that's really helped me is now I really, when, whenever I'm debriefing, I really pay attention to the nonverbals. And anytime I see like an eyebrow raised or like, you know, just an indication that what I'm saying isn't completely clear, I know to pause and, and be a lot more descriptive because I know I tend to think that people understand where I'm coming from right away. Do you have any other things that you do? I think I fall for the same traps uh, uh, over and over again. I guess when I'm debriefing, um, the lesson for me is to not be afraid to challenge those assumptions about uh, uh, communicating less is better, and we know what each other means, and uh, it's an insult to me for someone to stand there and describe what I already know. And mm-hmm. and I think challenging those things and, uh, you know, not to the point where you're trying to get the person to agree with you, but just letting them know that you as the, you know, so-called expert think that that's nonsense, that that's rubbish, that they need to know that. And I I don't expect that people will change and improve their clarity all at once. I I think I think it takes you know it takes tiny little steps, and I I know that because this has been happening between me and my wife, and we've been noticing it more and more. We're just going to some extra lengths to be clear, to be expansive in our descriptions, to try to imagine how what we're saying could possibly be misinterpreted. 
Mm-hmm. And and I'm sure we miss, you know, most of the time, miss those things. But but once in a while, the clarity that we're adding is effective and helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, I, well, I don't think you can always avoid it. And, you know, certainly certainly the ones that happen more than once um, are the ones to pay attention to. And maybe you can fix those. I, I think also... I'm I'm recalling just how you are in debriefing, Dan, and I think there is a factor of the educator too in that, you know, I've seen people ask you what what I would I'm not proud in saying this, but what I would consider a very simple, straight, obvious question. I've seen people ask you questions like that and then you would just kind of step back and say, "Oh, yeah." And then you would you would go ahead and explain it, even though it's obvious to everyone else. And I think that receptiveness, the educator being, you know, just showing that you can ask a stupid question and you're willing to go there helps encourage them to speak up when it's not clear to them. I guess you have to accept that everyone will hear what you say differently. Mm -hmm. And sometimes people will hear what you say quite incorrectly their interpretation will be something quite different than you intended yeah and uh that's always a possibility and it's not because people are you know are slow or stupid or bad communicators i think it's because we all see the world differently you're so right so so interesting because i just finished a book by matsumoto and nonverbals and he talks about the scientific findings around reactions and emotions in different cultures and it turns out that it's all the same culture to culture there's no significance in terms of actual reactions for for the main i think it's like seven common reactions what differs is the interpretation of the individual mm-hmm. that's where the cultural factors come in and um and so we all interpret it differently based on our backgrounds and uh and just so i don't know it, it's it is interesting and to keep that in mind I think is helpful when we're debriefing or at least describing something. So, Dan, thank you because you have hit my main goal that um, your retirement is actually <laughs> uh, benefiting <laughs> in our learning because you're clearly uh, bringing some things about your retirement into uh, debriefing. All right, Janice. (laughs) (laughs) On that cryptic note, (laughs) see you later. (laughs) DJ Simulationistas, what's up? It's brought to you by the Center for Medical Simulation. Find out more about CMS and learn about our simulation instructor training and course offerings at www.harvardmedsim.org. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.